Well, good morning, Grace Gospel Church. The music just thrills me. Those songs that we sang this morning, I mean, every thought that's expressed comes right from the pages of Scripture. And I just love it about the music here at Grace Gospel Church. Not only is it performed so well, you only have like seven people up here filling a room like this. Uh, we're having a little problem with the monitor too. It, uh, it's uh, where I can see my slides. Um, but at any rate... Uh, Hopefully we'll get through this, even despite some technical difficulty. Hopefully the remote will work this time. It wasn't Joey's fault. I usually sequence the slides when he reads for me, but I think it needed a battery change and it wasn't working. So I'll have to talk to him later about that comment about shortcomings. Um, <laughs> but be that as it may, the title of today's message is the sovereignty of God in blessing. It's a continuation of what we began last week, the blessing of God. Chapter 49 just follows right on. In chapter 48, there was the blessings on Joseph's two sons, and now there's going to be a blessing on Jacob's sons, Joseph being one of them. Have you ever heard the expression, with friends like this, who needs enemies? Okay, when you read through the blessings that Jacob pronounces on his 12 sons, uh, with blessings like those, who needs cursing? That's not the case with every son, but it is the case with some of them. In fact, the word curse is even used at one point. What, we're gonna, what we want to take away from this today is that God wants to bless us. Sometimes the fault for lack of blessing in our life lies with us, just as it did with some of Jacob's sons. But be of good cheer because there still is a lot of blessing that God desires to bring about. In Genesis 49, God is revealed as the sovereign God who blesses and whose blessings always come to pass. The blessings that Jacob gives, we're not going to focus too heavily on this, but the blessings he gives to each of his sons, these are prophetic blessings. The Jews believed, as I mentioned last week, that before a father died, he was to bless each of his sons. And the Lord would be giving the words of the blessing through that father. And what the father blessed each son with would come to pass in their lives and or the lives of their descendants. That actually takes place in biblical history for each of the sons that Jacob blesses. God's blessings will always come to pass in your life as well. 
any promised blessing found in his word will take place. God wants you to trust that all his promised blessings will definitely come to pass in your life. Take this away with you. If you take only one thing away, let it be that. Now, I have a couple graphical charts because I, I want you to understand what's going on here and the reason why we read again two verses from Genesis 48. This is a family tree, a genealogical tree. It begins with Adam, of course, the first man, and you see he had three sons. Well, when Adam fell, and Eve as well, in Genesis 3, in cursing the serpent, he gives an implicit promise to the woman that the seed of woman would crush the serpent's head. Paul, the apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, tells us in Galatians, that seed is Christ. Christ is the fulfillment of that implicit promise in Genesis 3, that the seed of woman, not just any child of woman, one in particular, the Lord Jesus Christ, would crush the seed of serpent, uh, the, the head of the serpent. Adam wouldn't be Cain or Abel, of course, Abel was killed by his brother. It would be Seth, eventually to Noah, and he had three sons. But that promise would end up coming through Shem and Terah, the father of Abraham, who was the father of Ishmael, Isaac, and Midian. But it wouldn't be through Ishmael, the child of the flesh. It would be through Isaac, the child of the promise. And that promise would be fulfilled not through the firstborn, Esau, but to the, through the usurper, Jacob, who had 12 sons that would become the 12 tribes of Israel. Picking up with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, it wouldn't be all 12 sons. It would be one son in particular, Judah, who generations later would be the ancestor of King David, and then a thousand years approximately later, there would be a man of the tribe of Judah, a descendant of David, Joseph, and his wife, Mary. Mary would give birth to the Lord Jesus Christ, both descendants from David. And this is the entire story of Scripture. This is the main story of Scripture. Every part of Scripture fits in with that tree in some way. And, of course, we know from some New Testament books, it continues on to what God would do. And so when Jacob is blessing his sons, some of it is going to refer to this family tree, this genealogical tree. We're going to look at this chapter in three main headings. What happened before the blessings? What happened during the blessings? And what happened after the blessings? I gotta speak to the person who put this on my collar. That was me. So what happened before the blessings? 
we find out from Genesis 48 that the source of all true blessing is God Almighty, El Shaddai. God Almighty appeared to me in the land of Canaan and blessed me. God appeared and blessed. God is the source of all true blessing. The beginning of all blessing is what God will do, not what any person will do, not what any person has done. The beginning of all blessing is what God will do. God Almighty said to Jacob, Behold, I will make you fruitful and numerous. I will make you a company of peoples, and I will give, I will give this land to your descendants for an everlasting possession. This is exactly what he had promised to Abraham, Jacob's grandfather. He repeats it to Abraham's son and now to his grandson. God's promises always stand. He's never going to fail us. He hasn't failed us yet. His promise still stands. The promise he gave to Abraham and Isaac, he now repeated to Jacob. And Jacob tells Joseph this in Genesis 48. Now, the knowledge and experience of blessing is found in God's word. Jacob summoned his sons, all 12 of them, and said, Assemble yourselves. He didn't send out messengers to tell them in the comfort of their own homes. He said, assemble yourselves. Do you know what the local church is called in the New Testament? It's called an assembly, a gathering or an assembly. God wants us to assemble ourselves to hear his word. We heard his word in song already this morning. And now we're hearing his word from the pages of Scripture. He says, Assemble yourselves that I may tell you what will befall you in the days to come. He knew this was prophetic, that God was in fact speaking through him as he would give these blessings. He says, Gather together. That's what we do as well. You want to gain knowledge of God's blessings, how he blesses, what it takes to be in a position to be blessed, then assemble, gather. He repeats it. It's important. It's a verily, verily. Assemble, gather together and hear, O sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. He repeats that command as well. Hear, listen. I can't stress how important God's Word is to understanding the blessings of God, to understanding every aspect of the Christian life. It's only in His Word that He reveals this to us. And this is why assembling and gathering to hear and to listen is so vitally important in our life. It was very important for them to gather to hear, what is my Father going to bless me with? It's the same thing this morning for you and I. 
what is God our Father going to bless us with? God spoke through Jacob. Hopefully, Joe's prayer will be answered and God will speak through me to each of you. And even better, the true teacher of the word, the Holy Spirit will speak to you directly. We've seen what happened before the blessing, the call to assemble. There was no blessings given without the gathering, without the assembly. So now what happened during the blessings? We're going to look at each one of these blessings and then a summary at the end. Jacob doesn't really follow the birth order. He makes some changes there. Uh, the best that could be said perhaps is that they're largely grouped based on who the mother of those sons are. Those 12 sons had four mothers. Two were the wives of Abraham, Leah and Rachel, and two were the handmaidens or servants of Leah and Rachel. So let's begin by looking at the sons of Leah. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power, uncontrolled as water. Have you ever tried to control water? It just flows everywhere. It's very difficult to control with your hands. Uncontrolled as water, you shall not have preeminence. Can you imagine being in in Reuben's sandals, the firstborn son. Yeah, I get the double portion. I take over the family clan. I'm in charge after my father dies. It's all falling to me. My brothers will need to listen to me the way they listen to my father. But he says, you shall not have the preeminence. What a shock. I can picture the expectation Reuben had in going to receive the firstborn's blessing, but instead, these are the words of his father. Why? Because you went up to your father's bed and you defiled it. After Rachel died, perhaps being upset that his own mother, Leah, was treated as less than Rachel, Reuben uh, commits immorality with Bilhah, Rachel's handmaiden. What he was saying to his father there in doing that is, I'm not waiting until you die. Everything you have is mine now. That's essentially what he was saying. And his father didn't forget. And because of his sin the expected blessing was lost. That happened in Reuben's life. It can happen in the life of anyone. The New Testament scriptures, Paul writes, let no one rob you of your reward. It can actually happen. Some of the future blessed reward we can be robbed of by giving in to sin. Expected blessing, not the loss of salvation, but the loss of an expected blessing. In Reuben's case, it was because of his immorality. 
The blessing of fellowship can be lost due to sin. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are implements of violence. Let not my soul enter into their counsel. Let not my glory be united with their assembly, because in anger they slew men. Notice what Jacob is saying. I don't want to enter into their counsel. I don't want to be united with their gathering. Separate, they're my sons, but separate them from me. I don't want to be associated with them. They murdered an entire village, stole the women and children, and all the animals. Because of that, there was no blessing upon them as well. And the blessing of fellowship, of being a Jacob wanting to be associated with them was lost. In fact, we're going to see even more is lost by them. The blessing is lost due to self-will. You know, we might be thinking, well, you know, I've never murdered anyone. I've never even gotten so angry that I thought I wish I could kill that person. Well, what about self-will? Blessing lost due to self-will. Simeon Levi, in their self-will, they lamed oxen. He cites not just their murder of others, but self-will. Well, how does that affect you and I? Do you know the New Testament says the same thing in, in the letter of James, the Lord's half-brother? He says, you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask with the wrong motives that you may consume it upon your own selfish desires. Is answered prayer a blessing? Of course it is. I think all of us would say answered prayer is a blessing. Yet James makes it very clear that what was true with Simeon and Levi can be true of every Christian. We ask for a blessing, we pray to God for a blessing, but we do not receive it because we ask with the wrong motives that we may consume it upon our own selfish desires. We're asking with self-will, not with God's glory in mind. Blessing lost can actually be replaced with a curse as it is here. Simeon and Levi, cursed be their anger for it is fierce and their wrath for it is cruel. I will disperse them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. And you know, that's exactly what happened. Levi received no land in the land of Canaan. When Joshua led them in after the death of Moses, after wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, Levi received no land. They were scattered throughout. They became the priests and the Levites, and they were at different cities and villages throughout the land of Israel. Simeon, eventually his land in the heart of Judah, in the south of Israel, was swallowed up by Judah. It was completely surrounded by Judah initially and then swallowed up and they were gone as a tribe that held land in Israel. Exactly what Jacob said. And they were scattered. They were dispersed throughout the various tribes of Israel. But we now come to something good. Okay? Blessing 
rewards changed character. Do you remember when they threw Joseph in the pit in Genesis 37? And they were going to put him to death, but Reuben was secretly going to rescue him. And what comes by is a caravan headed to Egypt. Who is it who thinks, oh, let's make some money. Let's sell Joseph to them as a slave. That was Judah who came up with that idea. But then remember, when Joseph, still unknown to his brothers that it's Joseph, when he insists that his own younger brother, Benjamin, is brought down, uh, I'm sorry, remains there and doesn't go back to Jacob, Judah now says, I will take Benjamin's place. Lock me up. Keep me here instead of Benjamin. Because if Benjamin doesn't go back with my other brothers, our father will die of a broken heart. He's already lost one son, Joseph, that he loved dearly. And now this is the son that he loves the most. Judah changed. He should have stood up for Joseph in the first place. But he changed by God's grace and he stood up for Benjamin. And God, through Jacob, rewards Judah for that changed behavior. Notice what he says there. Judah, your brother shall praise you. Do you remember when Joseph, as a boy, as a teenager, mentions that all his brothers are going to bow down to him and his father and his mother are going to bow down to him? And they did in Egypt. But now, that same effect, that same bowing down in the future is not done to Joseph. It's done to the greater descendant of Judah, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who will be praised. His hand will be on the neck of the enemies. Judah's was too, the largest tribe in Israel, the most powerful tribe militarily. Your father's son shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He lies down as a lion, as a lion who dares to rouse him. What is the Lord Jesus Christ called in the book of Revelation? The lion of the tribe of Judah. Here is a messianic prophecy. What was true of Judah is true of the Lord Jesus Christ on steroids. He will receive the praise. All peoples of the earth will be subject to him. He is the roaring lion. Blessing results in reigning with Judah. Judah was the kingly tribe. Anyone associated with him reigned with him under his reign. As he was blessed, the nation would be blessed. But his greater son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we will reign forever with him in glory. The scepter, the king's scepter, the ruler's scepter shall not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he whose it is comes. It's one word in the Hebrew, Shiloh. 
Some translations translate it like it's a village. And there is a village in ancient Israel called Shiloh. But it shouldn't be made into a place name. What Shiloh means is he whose it is comes. That's what it means. Judah will be the kingly tribe of Israel. And finally, the rightful owner of that scepter, not Judah, not King David, not, any, not Solomon, not any other king in the Davidic line. It rightfully belongs to one person and one person only, the Lord Jesus Christ, David's greater son, the seed of woman who would bruise the serpent's head. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. When he comes again, sets up his kingdom on the earth, he will rule over the whole earth, and obedience will be commanded of everyone. Every knee shall bow, the scripture says, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, some blessing may involve prosperities. Continuing with a long blessing on Judah, he says he ties his foal to a vine, and not just any vine, the donkey's colt to a choice vine. In other words, a vine with fruit on it. See, you just didn't do this. Why? Because the animal's going to eat the fruit on the vine. This is a picture of prosperity. There is so much fruit on every vine that who cares if the animals get some of it. This is the word picture here that Jacob is painting. His blessing is one of prosperity. He washes his garments in wine. Now, who does that? I mean, you're not going to get them clean, but who's going to waste wine in that way? There is so much wine. Wine was a symbol of prosperity in ancient Israel. There is so much of it, you can even wash your clothes in it, is the idea behind it. And his robes in the blood of grapes or the juice of grapes. His eyes are dull from wine. This isn't advocating intoxication. It's just there's so much that this is the way his eyes are. They're dull. He's painting a picture of prosperity. He's painting a picture of ease. He's painting a picture of festivity. You don't have to worry about attacking enemies. You can have your festival. His teeth are white from milk. Milk also was not something to be wasted, but there was so much milk. He could have it whenever he wanted. This is the picture. It's one of prosperity. Indeed, God's blessings make rich and they add no hurt. When I say rich, I'm not just talking material, and it may not be material, but definitely spiritual prosperity. Rejoicing in the Lord, standing firm in the face of trials, trusting in God, growing spiritually. This is the prosperity that the New Testament blessings promise to every believer in Jesus Christ. The blessings of others will bless you too. We are a church family. When one is blessed, we all are blessed. And in return, 
you will be a blessing to them. Zebulun will dwell for the seashore. He, his purpose was to serve the seashore tribe, Asher. Asher was right on the seashore. But they had to pass through when they unloaded the ships to distribute the goods that would come into the ports of the tribe of Asher right on the Mediterranean Sea, they would have to pass through the land of Zebulun to distribute them throughout Israel. So he would benefit from their blessing and he himself would be a blessing to them by allowing passage. His flank was toward Sidon in Phoenicia, enemies of Israel. He would have to protect his brothers. And so their blessing would be upon him and he in return would bless them. Brothers and sisters, do we view God's blessing of us as just ours, mine, 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 mine? Or are we willing to share with our brothers and sisters in Christ whatever it is that God blesses us with? Do we have a relationship with them the way Zebulun had with the other with his other brothers, the other tribes of Israel? I hope we do. I hope we view as whatever God gives us as something that we can use to bless others and bring God glory. Blessing is found in serving others. Issachar is a strong donkey lying down between the sheepfolds. When he saw that a resting place was good and the land was Pleasant, he bowed his shoulder to bear burdens and became a slave at forced labor. Issachar realized there was a blessing to be found in serving. That was his role. It wasn't the role of all the brothers to serve in the same way as Issachar, but it was his role. The New Testament talks about the spiritual gift of service or helps. A local church without such gifted individuals is an impoverished local church. It has people attempting to do things in different capacities that they weren't, weren't gifted by the Holy Spirit to do. There is a blessing found in serving. In fact, it's very true in the Christian faith that no man or woman is fit to lead who hasn't first learned to serve. You have to learn to serve. What did, what did Jesus Christ say in the key verse of the gospel according to Mark in chapter 10? For even the Son of Man, his most frequent messianic reference, a reference to Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14, where the Son of Man is going to receive dominion over the whole world. He calls himself the Son of Man, and he says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. If Jesus Christ didn't come to be served, but to serve others, even laying down his life, 
He is our example. God wants us to serve in some capacity in the local church, whatever capacity that is. Let us all seek the Lord's face in prayer and find out how we can be an Issachar in this local church and serve the church and our brothers and sisters in Christ. We now come to the sons of Bilhah, the handmaiden of Rachel. It says that Dan shall judge his people. Now, it just so happens that the name Dan means judge. And Daniel, a longer form of that name, is my God is judge, or God is my judge. Dan shall judge his people, and he did, according to the Scriptures. But there's a problem with Dan. He accepts this responsibility and carries it out, but it's almost as if his heart is not in it, the descendants of Dan. The blessing that brings responsibility doesn't mean we finally made it, we finally arrived. We have to be on guard against evil. Notice what it says in verse 17. Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a horned snake in the path that bites the horse's heels so that his riders fall backwards. Now, this is not a good thing. A snake is not a good reference. And we know it, not because I say it, but because of the next verse. For your salvation I wait, O Lord. There was a salvation that was needed related to Dan. Starts out fine as a judge, but he wasn't on guard against evil, the descendants of Dan, and he's described to be a serpent in need of salvation. Brothers and sisters, never let us think we've arrived, that now we've got it made, we've mastered the Christian life. We're up against an enemy, the enemy of man's souls. He's more powerful than we are in and of ourselves. He's wiser than we are, shrewder. We can only stand against him in the power of the Holy Spirit with the armor of God and the word of God. Always be on guard against evil. Blessing produces rejoicing and thankfulness. Naphtali is a doe let loose. He gives beautiful words. Maybe the idea of the doe let loose is not exactly clear. Is it fleeing from wolves? Well, what is going on here? No. The next line gives us an idea of what that image of a doe let loose means. He gives beautiful words. The graceful doe leaping about. It's a picture of, of freedom, being carefree, having joy, rejoicing. Blessing re produces rejoicing and thankfulness. Our words of prayer should not just be petition, talking to God about our needs, but they should be beautiful words as well that praise Him and express our thanks and gratitude to Him. The sons of Zilpah, Leah's handmaiden, are next. 
Blessing will produce victory over trials. As for God, raiders shall raid him, but he will raid at their heels. Blessing does not always mean we won't have a care or a trial in life, but we can have victory over those trials by God's blessing. God was raided by raiders, by bandits, yet he had victory at the end. He would raid at their heels. God wants you to have victory over every trial in life, and he wants to bless you with that victory. Great is his faithfulness. His promise still stands. We will praise him again, even in the midst of trials. He can bring us through to the end in victory. God's blessing makes rich and should bless others too. As for a share, a share means happy. As for a share, his food shall be rich, and he will yield royal dainties or delicacies. Asher's food was rich, and yet he used it to serve kings as well, according to the scriptures. His blessing makes rich and should bless others. That's the way God's blessing is. He makes rich, and he adds no hurt whatsoever. If there's hurt that's added, that's not a blessing from God. We now come to the children of, uh, of Rachel. The oldest is Joseph, who at one time was Jacob's favorite son. The goal of God's blessing is to have bountiful fruit bearing as the result. God wants us to bear fruit. That's why he blesses. Not not so that we can be selfish, not so we can be self-centered, but he wants us to bear fruit. In the New Testament, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is the character of Jesus Christ. God's goal in blessing us is to make us more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph is a fruitful bough, and he doesn't just bear some fruit. He's a fruitful bough by a spring. He's getting all the water that he needs. You should see my lawn in Swansea. Talk about brown. I, 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 I would think I was still living in California. It's all brown, but not Joseph. Joseph was green and fruitful. He was healthy. He bore lots of fruit, a fruitful bough by a spring. In fact, so fruitful that it grew and went over a wall. This is a picture of bountiful fruit bearing here. God blesses us to help us become more like the Lord Jesus Christ in character, the process of sanctification, so that we will bring him glory. Blessing's goal is victory over trials as well. Regarding Joseph, his brothers here who sold him, threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery are pictured as archers. The archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him, and harassed him. But his bow remained firm and his arms were agile. 
he ended up having the victory. His dream came true. His brothers and his father bowed down to him. And that victory came from the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. Who is the mighty one of Jacob? If anyone had any doubts, it's the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Who's called the shepherd in the Old Testament? The Lord is my shepherd. Who's the shepherd in the New Testament? The good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is the stone of Israel? The shepherd, the mighty one, God Almighty. Who is the stone? Both in Psalm 118 and in 1 Peter chapter 2, the stone is Jesus Christ. The ultimate victory is found only in Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you have never trusted in the shepherd of Israel, the stone of Israel, the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, in him and him alone is found the spiritual victory over sin and death and hell. God wants to give that spiritual victory to everyone who will turn from their sin repent, turn to Jesus Christ, acknowledging they are a sinner worthy of God's judgment, and thanking Jesus Christ for the salvation he provided on the cross when he bore the sins of the world in his body, shed his precious blood, and died. He experienced the wrath and judgment of God so that you would never have to if you would turn to him and cry out to him for salvation. He was victorious over sin and death and hell. We know this because he rose from the dead. He rose from the grave and ascended back to his Father in heaven. That is the gospel message, the good news of salvation that's found in Scripture. It's found only in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself said, I am the way, not a way, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. I urge you, turn to Jesus Christ today, trust in him, and he will give you the spiritual victory over sin and death and hell that he himself won on the cross. Blessings of all types are God's way to help us. From the God of your Father who helps you and the Almighty who blesses you, with blessings from heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. God has so many different ways to bless. There's all types of blessings. How he blesses you, he may not bless me. How he blesses someone in your family, he may bless you differently. You can't put God in a box. You, you can't constrain God. You can't restrict God. He is the one who decides how to bless, and he has blessings of all different types, as is made clear in this verse. The blessings from God have no limit. The blessings of your father have surpassed the blessings of my ancestors to the utmost bond of the everlasting. May they be on the head of Joseph 
and on the crown of the head of the one distinguished among his brothers. They have no limit. Jacob's blessings exceeded those of his father and grandfather. He's talking about the number of sons and children that he had here. But God's blessings exceed our wildest imaginations. The New Testament makes this clear. God is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. And it's not just the amount of blessing, it's the duration of the blessing. The everlasting hills, talking about the hills of Jerusalem, the hill that it's on, the place where God had chosen to cause his name to dwell, the city that the Lord Jesus Christ will rule over the earth from, an everlasting city. The blessings of God have no time limit. They continue on and on throughout all eternity. Blessings, however, do not guarantee moral character, and they may even serve as a warning. Never think that if God blesses you, you are perfect. None of us are perfect. The youngest child, Benjamin, is a ravenous wolf. In the morning, he devours the prey. In the evening, he divides the spoil. And Benjamin would, would be that. He would become an enemy at one point to the entire nation of Israel until God gave Israel victory over Benjamin. And Benjamin would learn that lesson. And when the kingdom split after the death of Solomon and ten tribes rebelled against the rightful king, Benjamin remained loyal to Judah. Blessings do not guarantee a moral character. Sometimes blessings may serve even as a warning, as Jacob's blessing upon Benjamin was. Not a nice blessing, but a statement of fact. Not a curse, but it was a warning for him to be careful and his descendants to be careful. A summary of the blessings. None of Jacob's children were omitted. These are the 12 tribes of Israel, and this is what their father said to them when he blessed them. He blessed them, every one of them. He didn't leave anyone out. God is not going to forget you. If you are a child of God, he will always remember you. You may think he's forgotten you because of your situation and circumstances in life, but he has not. He will bless every one of his children, either now or throughout eternity. And the blessing of salvation in and of itself is enough, is it not? What greater blessing is there than to have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, to have Christ in you, the hope of glory? God's choice of blessing is precisely always what is needed. We don't know better than God how to bless it says, Jacob blessed them, every one of them, with a blessing appropriate to him. God always gives us exactly what we need when we need it. He doesn't hold back. And that blessing is appropriate. We shouldn't look at someone else's blessing and say, why wasn't I blessed with that? Because it wasn't appropriate. Appropriate. 
God gives us what each of us needs. He knows what we need better than we know ourselves. At the end of the the blessing of the 12 sons, he gives them a charge. God's blessings sometimes come with commands, as they did here. He charged them and said to them, I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought for a burial site. The blessing's not the end of it. Sometimes there are actions that need to be carried out when God blesses us. The blessing is not the end of the matter. It's often the beginning of our next step in serving God and becoming more like Jesus Christ. Blessings provide for a future hope. They buried Abraham and his wife Sarah. There they buried Isaac and his wife Rebekah. There I buried Leah. I mean, this is their bodies being united. But in the New Testament, don't Christians have a hope of being reunited? In, read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, regarding being reunited with those, our loved ones, who are believers in Christ, who have died before us. One day, Christ will snatch us all up into the clouds. He'll raise the dead, snatch up the living Christians, and reunite us all together. God's blessings provide for a future hope. There's a future hope for you to be reunited with your loved ones if you trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. God's home-calling blessing is for those who have finished their work. When Jacob finished blessing or charging his sons, he drew his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. The scriptures say, blessed is in the eyes of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. Yes, it hurts. It brings tears to our eyes, grief to our hearts when a loved one passes on. Even one who we know is now beholding the face of their Lord face to face. But God's home calling is a blessing for anyone who's trusted in Jesus Christ. I, I believe that if we ever experience two seconds of heaven, in all its glory, just two seconds, we'd never want our loved ones back. We'd never want to rob them of that joy, of that glory, of that blessedness that they have. In fact, the death of every believer in Christ is answered prayer. Did you know that? Whose prayer? The Lord Jesus Christ's prayer. In the Garden of Gethsemane, on the night that he was betrayed, in John 17, in verse 24, he says, Father, I desire that those whom you have given to me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. The death of every believer in Christ is an answer to Christ's prayer. God's home calling is for those who have finished their work. If it's finished, Christ hung on the cross and he said, it is finished. What could be added to salvation? Nothing. God's home calling blessing 
is for those who have finished their work. There's nothing else left for them to do on this earth. In conclusion, we've seen the sovereignty of God in blessing. God is revealed as the one who blesses and whose blessings always come to pass. God wants you to know that you can trust all his promised blessings. They will definitely come to pass in your life, either here on earth or throughout eternity. Let me challenge you with these two questions. Today, will you begin to understand that God has already promised you some amazing blessings? Do you understand that? Are you familiar with any of them that are found in his word? And will you today begin to trust and thank God for his amazing blessings? Let's pray. Oh, Father, uh, we thank you that you are the source of blessing, that you are in control of blessing. You know how to bless, and we do not. And so, dear God, we ask you to have your own way. You are the potter. Bless us and mold us as you desire, as you see fit. Help us, dear God, to use the blessings that you give us, whether they be material or spiritual blessings, whether they be spiritual victory. Help us to use all these things to be in turn a blessing to our brothers and sisters in Christ so that they too might experience all the blessed victory that is found in Jesus Christ in their lives. We ask all this for your glory and your name's sake. Amen.